When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Hi, this is Marissa Meyer. And this is Delaney. And this is Sloan. And you're listening to the Prince Kai Fan Pod. Hello, welcome to episode 74 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. I'm your host this evening, Bethany. This episode is brought to you by Rampy and Crew patron supporters. Thank you. Tonight's special guest is a reoccurring favorite, Miss Leah from <laughs> My Book Chat Podcast. Hey. How are you, Leah? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. So Taylor, one of my patron members, wanted me to read this series called The Selection. Mm-hmm. So I have done nothing but for the last 48 hours except read the first and second book. And I've got 10 <laughs> pages left in the second book. <laughs> nice. And it's amazing. And I'm I'm already thinking about doing a bonus episode for Patreon on it because it's an amazing series. So anybody wants something fun to read, go read The Selection by Kira Cass. <laughs> Is that the one... I think you posted, I think you put it up on Instagram. Is that the one with the girl in like the flowy dress on the cover? Yes, it is. And it's amazing. Because, yeah, because see, I've actually seen, um, I've seen people talking about that book and I was actually wondering if it was really good. So I'm glad that you said that because now I know that I can read it and I'll, and I'll enjoy it. <laughs> okay, good. Yes. And if you, if you'd like to cover it on Why Book Chat Podcast, I volunteer myself as your guest. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about why book chat podcast i know you're on you're in between season one and season two right so what can listeners expect going into season two yes so season two is going to start um october 5th which i'm really excited about i am finally going to be covering some holly black on this podcast I don't know why it took me so long to get there, but <laughs> I'm finally I'm going to be covering um, I'm going to cover the Cruel Prince from her, which I'm really excited about. I'm also going to dive into Red Rising by Pierce Brown, which I really really love. Um, and then I do have some more um, author interviews coming up as well, which is going to be a lot of fun. And I'm going to do, as you know, uh, I'm going to do Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which I can't wait to cover, um, and which you are going to be my guest for. So I'm excited about that. Yay. <laughs> and I have been wanting to do something um, with like vampires. So I'm going to read and cover The Beautiful by Renee. I don't know how to say her last name. It starts with an A. Because <laughs> um, somebody told me that that's has like some vampire stuff in it. So I'm going to check that one out because I've heard it's good. And then, um, yeah, I've got the Starless Sea, Ash Princess, um, maybe A Court of Thorns and Roses. So I've got a whole bunch of other ones coming up that I'm really, really excited about for season two. I'm excited too. Yeah, literally the only book series that I've read with vampires is Twilight. So... (laughs) No help there. That's okay. <laughs> and my only television experience is like Buffy and Angel, of course. Of and course. I saw Lost Boys when I was very little and it terrified me. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't remember a lot about that movie other than being terrified and my mom being mad that my babysitter let me watch it. I'm guessing I was too young to watch it. 
So yeah, yeah, probably. I I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you currently reading right now? So I'm kind of reading two things. I'm currently reading Blood and Honey by Shelby Mahorn, which is the sequel to Serpent and Dove. Um, so it's that's going to be a trilogy, but this is just book two right now. So I'm almost done with that. I'm three quarters of the way through. And so I started Red Rising by Pierce Brown because I read it before, but I'm rereading it so that I can go back and cover it on the podcast and remember everything. <laughs> so I'm kind of in the middle of those two right now. <clears throat> Yeah, I remember I did that when when you and I did our the episode, the very first episode for your podcast on Heartless. I hadn't read it in about a year, so I was like, "Ooh, an excuse." Yes. And lucky for me, I have all the audiobooks as well, which are magnificent. And sometimes when I'm like sort of in a hurry to read a book, being able to go back and forth between audio and print is very handy. Yeah, definitely. Cuz like I'll straight up listen to it while I'm like you know, cleaning the house, going to the grocery store in the car. And then like, as soon as I have a moment again, I'll open the actual book and it's just much easier that way. But if it's a book I'm reading for the very first time, I don't like to do that. But one I'm as familiar with as Heartless was fine. Right. That makes a lot more sense. So this week we're going to talk about chapters 20 and 21. But first, a big thank you to my friend on Instagram, Jenna underscore books zero five on Instagram sent me a fantastic timeline for the Lunar Chronicles, which I'm very grateful for because I have been obsessed with trying to figure out what day it is all the time. (laughs) Right. So according to this timeline, the series started on August 15th Mm -hmm. and it is currently September in between September 14th and September 17th. Okay. Because according to this timeline, they crashed to Earth on the 14th. And we know it's been like a day or two, right? Right. So you can find that on lunarchronicles.fandom.com if anybody else is obsessed with trying to figure out what day it is besides me. (laughs) This is really detailed. (laughs) Like I'm looking at this thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, and I I had to pull myself out for a second. So... In grad school, they don't really do finals. Instead, you have like thesis papers that are huge and they're due at the end of the semester, mm-hmm. right? So towards the end of November, I'm going to be busy doing a bunch of proposals and presentations and papers. So I've been trying to read ahead and get notes ready yeah, so that I'm ready to go. So I'm actually on chapter 34. <laughs> <laughs> and today we're recording chapter 21 and 20. So I was like, okay, I need to see where we're at in the books and make sure I'm not like incorrect. Yep. <laughs> and so in the books, they basically just crashed. So it's September 14th, whatever year TE. <laughs> <laughs> what year are we in? Oh man. I don't even know. 126 TE. I'm going to save this. This is officially going on the bookmark list. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> So big thank you for sharing that with me. That's that's very handy. Anyways, <laughs> so now we're going to talk about Fan Art Friday. Uh, this is from October 16th, and there's two of them. First is from Cosmic Nova Flare on Instagram, and it's Jason. Yay. No, I was just going to say um, I was very excited when you sent this to me because I have not seen any 
fan art with him in it. So I was really excited when you sent this. I was like, yes, yeah, somebody, somebody drew him. Somebody did Jason. So it's awesome. Yeah, I have um, – I shared some of him a couple of weeks ago. I must have missed it. I'm trying to remember what day it was. I had one of him and one of Chris okay. from um, Scott Keelan, if I, if I remember. No, Laura Hollingsworth. Um, and that was five weeks ago. So it's been a little while. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I love getting artwork of Jacin. We haven't gotten a lot of him yet. And I like this artwork. He looks very uh, professional, very – poised and regal he does i love it i love the uniform that he's wearing i think it's a really good representation of what is described in the books yes i agree and i love the feel of the art i like the moon in front of it the crescent moon yes it's kind of like shaping the picture yes it is i like it yeah very pretty so a big thank you to cosmic nova flare for sharing that with us you can find more of her artwork on instagram and the second is from Tara T. Ja on Instagram. And it's Cress <laughs> sitting in her satellite. So cute at the window with her hair braided and just staring out at the the blue planet, as they like to call it. And I just really love her all curled up in her satellite looking out the window and leaning against it. Me too. She just looks so sweet and innocent. And she also has this kind of like look of longing on her face, you know, like, I really wish I could be there instead of in my Mm -hmm. satellite. And again, like her hair is just in the braid and just kind of flowing down below her feet. It looks, it's just really pretty. It is really pretty. And I agree. She looks longing. She also looks a little lonely. Yeah. Poor thing. So thank you for sharing that with us. You can find more artwork from Tara Tija also on Instagram. Last week, wonderful Patreon members voted for chapter titles, and chapter 19 is titled Under Pressure by (laughs) David Bowie and Queen. I love that. (laughs) So this week we're going to start with chapter 20. Little recap, last week we left off with Kai and the other world leaders becoming aware of all the lunar ships that were orbiting Earth and getting some motherly advice from Priya. We're back with Thorn and Cress wandering through the desert. We're in Cress's perspective, and she mm-hmm. is exhausted. Legs throbbing, her feet ache. They buried themselves in the sand to keep warm. Her scalp is still tingling from her new haircut. Her skin is dry and scratchy. Her lips are brittle. She is just miserable. I know. I feel so bad for her. I do have to say, I absolutely love the very first sentence in this paragraph. Because it just says, oops, page flip. It says, Chris awoke to a dizzying assortment of sensations. It just is a very descriptive sentence. It just tells you right away what is about to happen. And then, yeah, poor Crest. She's just feeling all of this different things. I feel so bad for her. She's just not used to all of it. It also makes me think of, like, she's really not. It also makes me think of, like, when you're traveling, you know, and you fall asleep Mm -hmm. somewhere unexpected and you wake up and for a second you kind of forget where you are. You kind of forget your situation and your circumstances and your surroundings and you have to, like, you know, you're a little disoriented and you have to kind of 
wake up a little bit more to remember. Like when you stay at a hotel or fall asleep on the couch or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. You're right. You're just a little bit disoriented at first. Yeah. So Thorn starts to wake up. They had used a piece of the parachute to keep sand out, which <laughs> wasn't effective because mm-hmm. they're still covered <laughs> in sand. And before they move, <laughs> Thorin says, hold still, because she wants to see if there's any dew gathered. And she has this moment where she's like, dew? And then I feel bad because he explains and she's like, I, I knew what dew was. But like, she just wasn't expecting it where they were. And I got to be honest, I wasn't either. I always think of dew as like fresh and on the grass in the morning. I wouldn't have expected it in the desert myself yeah, either. No, I agree so. completely. I would, that. Took me by surprise as well. I was like, why would there be dew in the desert? It's like bone dry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't feel bad, Chris. You're not alone. We all would have thought that. (laughs) And there was a teeny tiny bit of dew, Mm -hmm. but it's covered in mud and sand. So not much. But they still have two bottles of water left. They walked all night. They slept maybe a couple of hours. And Cress's feet felt like they would fall off. Oh, poor thing. Yeah, which, I mean, I talked about it in the last episode, but can you imagine? She has spent the last seven years walking no more than, like, the 10 to 15 feet from her kitchen to her bathroom to her bed to her chair. And now, all of a sudden, she's walking miles in the desert in an earthen atmosphere that she's never been exposed to. Right? I mean, that's just huge. That's going to take a a ton out of your body and make you feel so exhausted like you have never felt before. Yeah. Even if you're like an experienced walker or hiker or something, like it's still going to be exhausting and excruciating. And I think even more so for her, especially because this has got to be, it doesn't, we don't, you know, she doesn't talk about it too much, but this has got to be the cruelest wish vindication ever because all she wanted was to go hmm. to Earth. She probably couldn't have ever dreamed that she would finally get to go there with Thorn, <laughs> who she's absolutely obsessed with. But look at their circumstances. Like, she's getting her wish come true, but it's like it came from a genie the way it's all. I thought about that, stuff. too, because I was like, oh, man, she finally gets to be with this man who she's, like, obsessed with forever. And she gets to meet him in person. And how many how many people get that chance, you know, first of all? But then, yeah, they're stuck in this, like, horrid situation. Mm-hmm. However, I will say this. They may be stuck in this horrible situation, and she may be feeling miserable, but at the same time, it does have some advantages. I mean, we're going to talk about them in this chapter where they're, like, cuddling up together underneath the parachute, you know? So, I mean, she's got got a couple of advantages here. Yeah, I mean, if, if she had just been taken aboard the Rampion, she would have been given her own crew quarters and Thorne would have just been another one of the people she was getting to meet. They wouldn't have had all this alone exactly. time and all this closeness. So, yeah, silver lining. <laughs> if you really want to see it. <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking of the episode of Friends where he's like, how is that a silver lining? And he's and the other yeah. guy is like, you have to really <laughs> want to see it. <laughs> it. Turns out the mountains don't seem any closer. And uh, she asks Thorne how his eyes are. And he's still trying to play everything up, right? He's like, he's like, well, I've been told they're dreamy, but. I love that sentence. Oh my gosh. I can't. Uh, 
I do too. I love that he's like trying so hard to keep what does she call it? His uh devil may care yes. facade up, his cavalier attitude. Oh man. <laughs> he's just that's just Thorn. I know. And I like that about his personality that he's like always trying to make light of the situation. I do too, because otherwise they'd be far too depressed and feeling hopeless. And then that would be even worse. Absolutely. He gives her a sheet to sort of use as a robe and he makes one for himself and he covers up her head and it'll keep the sun off her skin. She still feels exhausted and she's practically numb with walking and almost immediately she falls after walking. She takes like four, she walks up four dunes and then falls. Yeah. And as she so wisely points out, she's not used to exercise. <laughs> no. Poor no. thing. You can't really exercise in, in the satellite. I got to say, like, obviously I've never walked in a desert. I'm not going to pretend I understand what that's like. But over the summer, I was walking <laughs> 10 miles a day in the heat. And here where I'm living currently in Mississippi, it'll be like 730 in the morning. And the feels like temperature will be well over 100 with stagnant air, barely any breeze, and a lot of humidity. So very uncomfortable. And even walking 10 miles a day every day for pretty much three months straight, I was exhausted in the heat after like two or three miles. It was a push to go the rest of the way. So I can't imagine what it's like when you've built up absolutely no stamina and aren't even wearing real shoes. You're also exhausted, hungry, exposed to elements for the first time, and no doubt probably riddled with anxiety. Oh, yeah, completely. Plus, she's trying to support him and help him because he can't see anything. So so she has to help him too, you know, which is like that. I mean, depending on how much she's supporting him, I mean, that could put extra weight on her too and just be harder because she has to like pull him along sometimes. So it's going to take a lot out of her. It is. Yeah. She says she just needs to get a rhythm again. As a runner, I attest you need a rhythm. You're going to feel out of step the whole time if you can't find a good beat, like a good rhythm, a good motion to get yourself into. You are going to feel out Mm -hmm. of step. I don't care if you run one mile. I don't care if you run six. If you can't get a rhythm, it's going to feel like a stumble the whole time. Yeah, I'm not a runner, so I can't really um, (laughs) (laughs) do that. I hate running, but I do, I do like to walk a lot though. And, um, have definitely had the same experience with you, like with, cause I'm in South Carolina and it gets really hot here. So, mm-hmm. and first thing in the morning and with going walking in the morning then too, and it is like super hot and you feel all nasty and sweaty and, um, but yeah, it's like even then you still have to with even with walking, you still have to try and get into a good rhythm with it as well, especially if you're with somebody else. Cuz like yeah. I would go walking with a I go with a friend and she just walks like slightly faster than I do. <laughs> so like I would have to try and like keep make sure I was keeping pace with her and going as fast as she was. So you do have to still kind of get into a good rhythm of it. Yeah. And my husband and I walk together a lot and he and I will walk like three to five miles. Like we went for a walk right before this. We walked like three miles, I think. And he's a foot taller than me. So you'd think I would be a slow <laughs> one, but I have an Apple watch. So I know how fast I walk when I'm walking by myself. 
it's about 16 to 17 minutes a mile. When I'm walking with the two of us, it's about 20. Now, part of that is because we talk, right? Like we're, <laughs> we're yapping the whole way as opposed to when you're walking by yourself. You can just be like determinate and stride and stuff. But, you know, when you're walking with an- another person, yeah. you're at the mercy of their speed. And to a certain extent, they're kind of on even footing. Normally, I think Thorne would have the better hand, like he'd be more fit. But because he's blind, it slows him down. And then obviously, she slowed down by her lack of, she just hasn't built up an endurance. Right. So they're just going to walk until it gets to the high. They're going to walk until it's too hot and then they'll (laughs) rest because they don't want to exert themselves in the sun. And Mm -hmm. Cress, she uses her imagination and her fantasies to keep herself distracted. She's a a shipwrecked pirate, an athlete in training. (laughs) An android who could not get exhausted, but none of it works. <laughs> she's in pain. She's uncomfortable. She's thirsty. And she's just waiting for Thorne to be like, okay, you can finally rest. Yes. She just keeps it's, – it's definitely – it's like one of those when you're in a situation and you're like, when is this going to be over? And you keep checking your watch every minute. <laughs> it seems like it's never getting any closer. That's how I feel every time I go for a run. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> every, like, I can usually do a good two to three miles. And then after that, I'm like, have I reached my goal yet? I'm done. <laughs> you know? And there, I mean, some days I'll make it like a quarter of a mile. And I'm like, how far have I gone? You know? And then some days I can go three miles and I feel just fine. It just depends on the day, the weather, my motivation levels. Like, it's very temperamental. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's exactly how I would be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, for example, I had been running like a mile and a half at a time. I hadn't quite built my endurance back up since before I broke my shoulder, you know. So mm-hmm. I hadn't been making a lot of progress. I was doing like a mile and a half at a time, 12 minute miles, like not going very fast. And then last week, it was so nice out. We ended up not having time. My husband went with me and we ended up not having time to run until like 830 at night. So it was like really dark out, but the track that we run out is well lit. And it was really nice out. I had a new sports bra, so I felt very supported. Uh, nice. <laughs> I had a, a new, I had just made myself, I like to make playlists like once a week. I changed my playlist and I made a new playlist. And I, for some reason, I ran 3.2 miles that day before I felt like I was going to die. It's because you had all of that stuff, the new sports bra, the new playlist. I mean, it really helps motivate, you know. I had a good motivation. I The first time I really felt like I needed to stop, I looked at my watch and I was at like 2.98. And I was like, I wonder how far I can get. And after that, it was just like me trying to push myself to my very, very max. And by the time I got to, I was at like 3.18 when I was like, I really need to stop. But I have to get to that 3.2. like. I need, <laughs> I need that, that arbitrary number. Press <laughs> <laughs> oh. feels like the sheet is helping. The sweat is helping. And she has this moment where she guiltily is glad that Thorne can't see her like this because they are just a mess. Face red, messy hair, dirt streaked faces. He's got facial hair. They're both covered in sweat. I'm sure they don't smell very pleasant. <laughs> it's not like they oh, have no. toothpaste or so for Febreze. No. Um. 
I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed reading that moment because I was like, yeah, I could totally relate to me. That would be exactly what I would be thinking as well. <laughs> I don't want anybody yeah. to see me like this. I mean, there's especially like being married. I, I think if you're married or in a relationship for a long time, eventually those boundaries crack and you're like, well, you're going to see me, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I remember the first time I was hospitalized after we got married. And I was so embarrassed. And I was like, Quentin, you can't look at me like this and all this other stuff. And now it's like, (laughs) for better or worse, they say that for a reason. Eventually, you stop worrying about stuff. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And then as uh, a a mother, I can tell you that when when you give birth, I mean, after that, there's like no coming back. And it's just like, (laughs) at this point, it's just like, You've seen everything. So yep. yeah, whatever. What's a day without makeup? So <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I mean I'm I'm not a big makeup person myself. I, I have like uh I just don't wear it very often and so when I do it feels uncomfortable, you know. But there yeah. are definitely days when we first got married where I was like making sure I styled my hair and brushed my teeth and put on cute clothes like as soon as I woke up and uh <laughs> now I'm just like, yeah, I haven't brushed my hair. You know, like today I didn't even take a shower. I'm so gross. I didn't take a shower until like 10 and I got up at like (laughs) 7. So like I literally woke up, stayed in my PJs, got coffee and did homework. I didn't take a shower until like 1030, 10 o'clock in the morning. Like (laughs) I didn't take one till noon yesterday. So, you know, (laughs) see, we're the same. It's cool. And I think quarantine has changed the rules for everybody. If you live with anyone during quarantine, those boundaries fall really fast. You stop caring about Uh a lot of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) That is for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So Thorin gives her all the water. They only have one bottle left. And because he wasn't drinking the water, she can't bring herself to ask for more, which I think is, um, I wonder if that's mutual. Like, I wonder, not necessarily that they're like playing chicken or anything, right? But that like neither one of them wants to use up all the water. So it's helping them from going through it so quickly. Yeah, that's probably it. And he's probably also just being more protective of her as well. Maybe he thinks like because she's, you know, been in the satellite for her whole life and she's not used to being outside and dealing with this kind of thing. She's a lot more fragile and she's having a harder time. So maybe he's also um, just taking that into consideration. But it's it's probably both too where, yeah, he doesn't want to ask for more either. Yeah. Chris starts singing to distract herself and to pass the time. And Thorne Hmm. says, that's really pretty. She's never sang in front of someone before. So she doesn't know how to take the compliment. You just say thank you. (laughs) That's all you got to do, Chris. You just say, oh, thanks. That's it. (laughs) I remember when I first started the podcast, I would get people that would message me. They'd be like, oh, my God, I love your podcast. And I'm like, what do I say? Because it's like, you say thank you. And I'm like, that doesn't cover it. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like I need to say so many other things to encompass my gratitude. He's like, well, they're never going to listen to another episode if they think you're crazy. And I'm like, if they've listened to this many episodes, they already know that I'm a little crazy. 
<laughs> it's I'm okay. Pretty candid. <laughs> we all are. Right? <laughs> yep. So she's singing a popular lullaby on Luna. Sweet Crescent Moon. Yeah, I'm not singing for you guys. Sweet Crescent Moon up in the sky. You sing your song so sweetly after sunshine passes by. And we get a little information about Cress. I'm really loving how much information we get here. Yeah, me too. He asked if her mom sang it to her when she was little. And it does. she did not. Because they can tell your show like pretty much from the time you're birth. Mm-hmm. And from the time you're birth. Good golly. <laughs> <laughs> they, can, <laughs> they can tell you're a shell from the since you're oh my god ah right when you, when are, born. you are born <laughs> thank you miss leah right when you are born they can tell that you are a shell Woo. man you guys would think i was so unprofessional but i'm just really tired i swear oh <laughs> uh, you would have no idea i've been doing this for a year and a half right Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she was only a few days old when she was taken from her family and she doesn't remember them at all like not even a little bit and before they can go on further because I want them to right like I want to learn more right <laughs> <laughs> he says you probably shouldn't be singing now that I think of it you'll lose moisture through your mouth well, yeah, but still, right? <laughs> what? And I'm and I'm thinking like he says that, and she's just like, oh, and because you kind of think, okay, so is she thinking like, oh, he thinks my singing is horrible, he doesn't like it when I sing, or is he being really honest right now? Like that's what would have been going through my head, certainly. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I would have had the same reaction you did. I would have <clears> been like, oh, he doesn't like my singing; he doesn't want me to sing anymore. But I think Cress's mm-hmm. inexperience helps her in this situation. She legit is just like, oh, okay, I'm going to stop singing then. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So they take a break. He says, all right, we can rest for a minute. He says, look around. Do you see any shade or someplace that looks like it'll give us shade? And we have a pretty rough couple of pages here. Cress sees an oasis. Mm-hmm. With water and trees. And I don't want to spend too much time on the back and forth because it's basically like, it's an oasis. No, it's not. It's an oasis. No, it's not. But it turns out (laughs) to be a a mirage. And the whole time she's pushing Thorn, she's like, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. And he's like, we should reserve our energy. And she's like, no, we're almost there. I can see it. And when he finally says, look. Is it getting any closer? Do the trees look any bigger? She has to accept that it is a mirage. Yeah. It seems real, but it's not. Which is so sad. It was like, that was a really hard moment to read, you know, when she was trying to figure it out. And and then and then he's like, you're not going to cry, are you? <laughs> and, she, and she says no, because she can't cry because... She can't afford to lose the moisture from her body, which is sad in and of itself as well. So it's just like Yeah, she horrible. doesn't feel like she has any moisture left to, to cry. There's yeah. nothing there. There's no tears. Really There's not enough water in her body to produce tears. Nope. 
I, I have to say though, I understand. Well, okay, I don't understand, but like, I I get Thorn, who's like, oh, is she crying? What do I do? Because I'm married, and my husband, Todd, when we first got married, every time I cried, <laughs> I was like, oh, call, I'll call Lindsay. Literally, when we first got <laughs> married, he would hand me my phone and call my sister because he had no idea what to do. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! Like, Let's just call Lindsay. Let's just call Lindsay. That'll make you feel better, right? Just pawn me off on my sister. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and he's obviously much better now, right? Like we've been together ten years. It's still really awkward for yeah. him when I cry because he's just like, I, uh, uh, "What do I do?" Oh. But he's gotten better, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I think yeah. it's like that with everyone, especially if it's a person you don't know. So you're not familiar with how they like to be comforted when they're crying. Do they want to be left alone? Do they want a hug? Do they want reassurance? Do they want a a comforting and silent companion like? What do you do? Yeah, it can be awkward because you're not really sure what to do. But I mean, sometimes when I cry, I'm not even sure what I want. (laughs) You know? That is true. There are just some of those days. (laughs) It's like, I don't know what would make me feel better. You know, sometimes (laughs) nobody judge me. Okay. Sometimes I like. If I know I need a good cry, like if I know it, I'm going to feel better, <laughs> I'll take a shower in the dark. Like I'll turn out all the lights, blast the hot water, and then just cry in the shower. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then I feel it's cathartic, right? And then I feel better when it's over yeah. and I just move on. <laughs> there you go. You just you just have to get it out of your system. <laughs> yes. Exactly. But she oh. doesn't cry, which is good. And Thorne tries right. to comfort her. He's like, look, lots of people see mirages. They always look real. And yeah. I feel for Cress, I really do, because it, it probably does feel real. And I'm sure it's very sad to know, to learn that it's not, you know, this must be absolutely devastating for her, especially because she knows and understands what the concept of a mirage is. And so she's also feeling mm-hmm. kind of stupid for, for falling for it. Right. That's probably a lot of what it is too, is she was feeling embarrassed in front of him, you know, like she's with this man who she has been pining after for so long. She finally gets to actually meet him in person, which is something she never thought would happen. She's here with him in this situation and she probably just, yeah, like felt embarrassed too. Like, oh, I can't believe that he's going to think I'm so dumb. And and it breaks my heart too. I'm going to read quite a bit for you guys just because this part I didn't want to summarize it (laughs) (laughs) he put an arm around Cress's shoulders and tugged her against him she felt so dumb so betrayed by the desert by the sun by her own eyes and now the truth was settling upon her there was no water there were no trees nothing but endless sand endless sun endless walking and they may never make it out. They couldn't go on forever. She doubted she could go on for another day like this. And who knew how long it would take to reach the end of the desert? Not when every dune multiplied into three more, when every step toward the mountains seemed to send them even farther into the distance. And they didn't even know that the mountains would offer any protection when they got there. Oh, the hopelessness, girl! I know. I read that paragraph and all I could think was, oh my 
gosh, there's so much hopelessness in this right now. And that is so sad. But I do love that it says he puts an arm around Cress's shoulders and tugs her against him. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's so super sweet. And I loved it. But yeah, hopelessness. And it's I loved it too. And I thought, I felt so comforted on her, on her behalf, you know? I felt comforted that she was, that she had somebody there that was able to comfort her and make her feel a little bit better considering the situation and significance of it. Yeah. Because could you imagine if, if Thorne wasn't there? Oh, there's no way that she would make it out of the desert alive if he wasn't there. Right. And she would be alone and there would be no comfort. Mm hmm. Yeah, that would be 10 times worse. Yeah, it would be it would be a million times worse. And I could understand why that would feel so mm-hmm. way. But Thorne is very determined. They're not going to die there. He was in jail and that was wasn't a picnic. <laughs> I love her. He's like, and the military wasn't much fun either. And she's like, uh, you were in there for five days. And most of that was in flight training. <laughs> how do you, I love how, that. Too. How do you know that? <laughs> uh research (laughs) and he's like "Mm, okay she doesn't go into detail about how much research but i have to say that's probably smart i agree as well uh no man wants to know that you have been obsessively researching every single detail of their life before you even met them (laughs) absolutely and i mean we do live in an age with technology i'm sure if you're like I'm sure there's no such thing as a blind date anymore. You probably know? not. Yep. <laughs> but in this scenario, and a lot of people probably know a lot about Carswell Thorne now that he's a famous celebrity, which he technically enjoys the status of, but still. <laughs> <laughs> well, so maybe this is the worst I've been through, but it doesn't change the fact that we're going to survive. We'll find civilization. We'll come will calm the Rampion and they'll come get us. Then we'll overthrow Lavana and I'll get back and I'll get loads of rewards money and the Commonwealth will pardon my crimes or whatever and we'll all live happily ever after. <laughs> well, isn't that a nice prediction? I love it. He is just Thorne too just funny. Thorne just wrote the rest of the series for us. Thank you, Thorne. And done. Happily Yay. ever after. <laughs> <laughs> we finished Close it. Book. We're done. <laughs> oh, we know. We know how it ends now. <laughs> yeah, and most importantly, he gets his reward money, and he's pardoned. <laughs> Absolutely, because that—that that is what's important, and we cannot overlook the most important part. <sighs> so they kind of just sit there. She nestles into him. She she wants to believe what he's saying, even though part of her doesn't feel convinced. And he says, he, he rubs her shoulder and says, trust oh. me, Cress, I'm going to get us through this. So, that is the end it. of chapter 20. Mm-hmm. It was such a good chapter. I just love, I just love the two of them <laughs> so much. And I'm always like, I, I remember the first time I read this book, uh, I was like, Okay, I would read it, and I'd have a Crescent Thorn chapter, and then I'd turn the page and go, shoot, the next one's not them. And then I'd, like, flip through the pages to see – I'd have to wait, flip through to see how many chapters it would have to – it would be before I got to them again. <laughs> I'm actually doing that now because I take notes and stuff, and so I'm like, 
I'll get to the next chapter and I'm like, oh man, when do I get back to Cress? And then I'll go and I'm like, whoo, that's a while. Because also I know that that means I'm not going to talk about it on the podcast for like four weeks. (laughs) (laughs) So what was your chapter title for chapter 20? Okay, here we go. So I, (laughs) so my chapter title is The Next Right Thing, and it's this song that's from Frozen 2. Now, just so everybody understands, I know that that song is about because somebody died and then Olaf disintegrates, essentially. Um, But if you, like, really listening to it, you know, she talks about taking the next step and being able to do, just take one step at a time and figure out what the next right thing is and figuring out how to stand up, how to take these next steps when you're in a horrible situation. And so I feel like for Cress, that is kind of where she is living in this chapter. She is trying to figure out, how to literally go step by step because she's so uncomfortable and so tired and exhausted and everything aches and hurts. So yeah, so that's why I picked that song. Yeah, absolutely. I picked Does Anybody Have a Map from Dear Evan Hansen the Musical. And <laughs> I can't I can't imagine a, a better song for the entire experience of being trapped in the desert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> So some of the lyrics, I'm trying to say them without saying them, is, does anybody have a map or happen to know how the hell to do this? (laughs) I don't know if you can tell, but this is me just pretending to know. So where's the map? I need a clue. Because the scary truth is, I'm flying blind. (laughs) And I'm making this up as I go, which that song could be the explanation for my entire life. First of all, oh my gosh, right? <laughs> now I'm making it up as I go. I will survive when I get there, you know. But I do so think true. it fits well. They really don't know what they're doing. They're stumbling through. They're making it up as they go. Thorn is obviously blind, so that fits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so Patreon members will get to vote on the song title on Patreon. And mm. our quote this week was the same. Yes. It's just so perfect. Oh, I'll let you read it. Okay. Oh, well, that's very nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. It was the kind of touch that would have filled her with giddiness and yearning if she hadn't been too tired to feel anything. You have to trust me, Cress. I'm going to get us out of this. It's just so perfect. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I'm trying to think. I'm a hopeless romantic. Podcast listeners know that at this point. I've been very, (laughs) very open about that. That is the definition of me. I could not explain it any any differently. Uh, Cheesy, gushy, over-the-top, dramatically romantic. The Hallmark made-for-TV cheesy romantic stuff. Like That's the entire description of my personality. So (laughs) I, despite the fact that my husband and I have been together for 10 years, still feel those things. I still get butterflies when I know he's like, you know, when it's 420 and I know he's going to be home from work any minute, I get butterflies all excited and anxious to see him, even though I saw him like nine hours ago. So (laughs) I'm trying to think of any time I was so exhausted or so overwhelmed that I couldn't even manage to, to feel elated at the touch, you know, at the comfort of, and I can't, Yeah, can't, (laughs) it's always there. 
I love that. I mean, there are times when I don't want it. Like when I'm mad at him, there's definitely times where I'm like, you can stay over there and I will talk to you and I'm not going to say bad things. Uh, Oh yeah, definitely. We are notorious for using pauses in our fights. (laughs) (laughs) We'll fight for like 20 minutes and then it's like, you know what? I think we need to do something else. We will come back to this. And then like (laughs) the next day it'll be like, Okay, are we ready to talk about this? Like rational adults who don't say things. <laughs> and then we usually handle it much better. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just need that little break to kind of help you get through it. And so not- why did you pick this quote? Uh, ah. So I picked it. Um, well, the whole the whole paragraph I just really love. Like I love because it starts with her nestling against against his side, you know, and says that she's trying to believe him. Um, and then he's rubbing her shoulder, and she's just like she 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 loves you know being with him. She's been obsessed with him forever, and now even though she's in this horrid situation, she's just like, she gets to be with him. She gets to be close to him and, um, you know, learn more about him. And he's like, he's being affectionate with her, you know? And so I feel like she really loves that. But then she's like, also, I'm really tired right now. So, you know, I love you. And (laughs) (laughs) it's just like, yeah, absolutely. I'm totally in love with you. And I'm so glad that you're like hugging me and I can nestle into you, but I'm so tired right now. I can't even enjoy this. You know, like, (laughs) oh man. And I feel for her because, like, we just, like, we talked about a little while ago, this is literally the best thing she could have ever have, like, Mm -hmm. asked for, but in the worst scenario possible. Right. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guests and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast and now back to the show that's where we leave press and thorn in the desert hopeless but trying to be optimistic and we start chapter 21 with dr erland and cinder wolf Iko, and the lunar guard Mm -hmm. we last saw them her showing up to africa covered in blood with a lunar guard who is also covered in blood and an unconscious wolf and soldier who just so happened to also be covered in (laughs) you guessed it blood (laughs) (laughs) they're waiting to see if wolf is okay he he lost a lot of blood uh luckily the bullets didn't puncture a lung but he did lose a lot of blood the doctor is keeping him sedated the lunar operatives are designed to be disposable weapons let's talk about that gosh not just weapons but disposable weapons, as in used ones and then tossed to the side. Or I suppose maybe not used ones, but used a short, like used a specific number of times or possibly more or less and then set aside and done with. Right? I mean, it's like they're not even breathing at all. It's just like they're just this object for um, Lavana to do mm-hmm. with what she pleases and she doesn't care about them at all. And she's just going to, Oh, Oh, you died. Oh, well. And she tosses them aside. And I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
They mean absolutely nothing to her. Mm-hmm. And the modifications make it difficult to rest. That is obviously true, right? Like we see, we've seen all the way back in Scarlet where he literally like his feet are always moving. His leg is always twitching and stomping and tapping and things like that. But like even sedated, it's hard for him to rest. Which is crazy. I can't even imagine that. That's insane. I, 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 I for okay for me personally, right? Like I had so I had shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. They give you multiple things. First of all, they give you these um, muscle relaxers so that you don't get muscle spasms up and down your arm, especially when the nerve blocks are wearing off. Then they give you antibiotics because you were in a hospital and you never know what's going to happen. Then yeah. they also give you painkillers, and then I had to get a sleep aid because, as it turns out. The painkillers caused me severe anxiety. Like, they made Ooh. me jittery. Like, I had just taken, like, I just drank four cups of coffee. Yikes. It was horrible. Oh. Well, the first time it happened, I called, right? And I was right. like, hey, you know, is there a different kind of painkiller? And the person was like, oh, you probably just need to take more. And huh. I was like, I mean, I'm really small. They told me not to take more because I'm small. Mm-hmm. You know, because I only weigh like 150 pounds. That's not a lot. And she was like, well, let me check. So she checked and she's like, okay, don't take more, but you can take a sleep aid instead and sleep through the pain instead of taking the pain medication to get rid of the pain. And I was like, okay. So yeah, that was very difficult. Like I woke up even taking like ZQL and stuff. I was waking up all the time just because my shoulder hurt. Even using a pill, like a, a medication that's supposed to help you fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer. I was still waking up. So if that's the sedation reaction that Wolf is having, he must be under a lot of sedation for him to still actually be asleep. And he must have been in hella bad shape for him to be unconscious. Right? Like he was not conscious when she brought him to Earth. Yeah. He's he's definitely in a really, really bad shape right now. Yeah. But it looks like the bullets didn't do too much damage. The The operatives are supposed to be resilient. So right. he should make a full recovery. Um, I don't know how happy he's going to be when he wakes up and finds out Scarlet's not, not there. He might not want to recover. Yeah. We've talked about before that they have like a really strange and, and unmeasurable bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that he's definitely going to, that's probably going to be, like, when he wakes up, that'll be the first thing that he wants to know is where she is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, you know, from my perspective, that's what I would want to know. Even, even, I will say this, I love my husband. I'm very devoted to him. He's very devoted to me. I don't think we have a fraction of whatever weird connection happens between Scarlet and Wolf. And I don't mean, I don't think that that means we don't love each other as much. I think that there's some kind of, and I don't mean strange in a bad way either. I just mean like unusual, unique perhaps. Um, right. But there is, there's some kind of weird connection between the two of them that I think is unusual. And I think it crosses the boundaries. I think love doesn't do enough to encompass the devotion they have. Exactly. I agree. It's like a connection of some kind. Yeah. They're their alpha miss. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Like I don't know how to articulate myself, but I know that like I, I just feel like 
boyfriend and girlfriend, like that doesn't encompass all of what they have. Now, I was trying to think of the phrase. There's a phrase. Um, I was trying to think of it and it's not coming to my head anymore. I thought, yeah, I don't know. It's gone. It's not there. <laughs> but I know what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like I can't articulate myself. And it's just because I, I legit don't know how to explain the connection that they have. But I do feel like it goes beyond the average one to one ratio of people who love each other. And right. I don't mean that as a bad thing. And I don't think that that means that other people who love each other love each other less. Maybe it does have to do with his weird wolf hybrid <laughs> chemicals that he has coursing through him. But they do have like a very secure bond. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Dr. Erland is like, okay, fixed your friend. Perhaps <laughs> now you'd like to explain what the f*** you've been doing. Oh, <laughs> he's hilarious. <laughs> oh, I know you haven't read Harry Potter, and I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, but there's a scene when Harry shows up somewhere, and they help him, and they get everything settled, and then he turns and he's like, what the hell? You show up here with a dead house elf and a unconscious person and this and this. And Harry's like, I can't tell you. And he's like, what the hell? This is my house. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bill Weasley, everybody. Um, and that's kind of Dr. Erwan. He's like, okay, I helped your friend. <laughs> you have to explain. You owe me an explanation. Yeah. And Cinder's like... Okay, and Cinder basically recaps the beginning of this book and everything that happened in Scarlet, right? Right. She tells him that she went to France. She was trying to find out more about her past. She went to France, and that led her to Scarlet and Wolf, and they became allies. She tells him about the attack and how Scarlet got taken, how she ended up with the guard. And then she says, he said that he serves his princess somehow. He knew about me. This is interesting to me. Yeah. Because we don't really know how he knows about her. Yes. That was that was really curious to me too. Cause I'm like, how does this guard how would he how would he say that? I mean, who else because because who else could he be referring to? She's the princess. You know? Yeah. There isn't another one. And Dr. Dr. Erwan's reaction is also interesting yes. to me. Perhaps he overheard Thomas mirror with the queen herself talking about you. We're lucky that his fealty is to the true crown. Many of Lavanna's minions would just as soon kill you and claim a reward than see you recognized as queen. <laughs> Dr. Erwand knew because he said if there was any doubt, it's over now once we saw your glamour, right? Like it's very obvious. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that... Levana trusted Sybil with that information or that Sybil was around and knew what Channery looked like? Ooh, that's a good question. Because I kind of, I mean, I kind of feel like it could go either way. I mean. Yeah, we don't really know how old these people are. Yeah, we don't at all. So it it could easily be either one of those. So it's, it's definitely um, quite a mystery. For us to find out. And I also I also just want to say, um, first, a couple of things. So first, um, I loved how before he says that, Marissa Meyer writes, Erland rubbed at his frizzy hair. Like she 
<laughs> like, yeah, nice, awesome description right there of Dr. Erland and his frizzy hair. Um, and uh, by the way, the other thing, uh, great job with that accent there. Nice job. <laughs> oh, thank you. You really brought. I I really can't do too many. <laughs> I can do that one, and then I'm somewhat good at British one. I've had a lot more practice with British accents. I've actually watched videos and learned how to pronounce certain letters properly because I was doing it wrong the first few times. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I just I like to mess around. I like to have fun with accents. It's fun. It's good to do. I'm sorry if I offend anyone. It's never intentional. <laughs> I'm just having fun. Okay. I've heard plenty of very stereotypical American accents, uh, so I don't hold it against anyone who knows. <laughs> it's almost always like a very strict Southern accent, uh, in particular in these books, if, in the audiobooks of these, or it's um, like a, a Valley Girl type of thing. Oh, uh, gosh, that's horrid. <laughs> Let me just tell you, <laughs> I just want to say though, um, I, I'm sure that I have most definitely uh, insulted people with my pronunciations of names and places and things like Serpent and Dove. When I did that, I was like, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher all these French words and names. And then when I did, oh, an Ember in the Ashes, I think like I butchered stuff in there. And, and I know when I get to Children of Blood and Bone, which I'm going to do this season, um, I am totally going to butcher everything in that book because I don't know how on earth to pronounce any of those things. <laughs> so you're not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that that's the mark of a reader, right? Yeah. Like as readers, we often read words we don't know how to say out loud, mm -hmm. which is why there is such a heavy amount of pronunciation. And for example, my name is Bethany, right. right? But it's spelled weird. The reason it's spelled weird is because technically it's supposed to be Beth Annie. Oh. And if you call me Bethany, my mom will tell you it's Beth Annie. <laughs> but that's kind of strange. It doesn't roll off the tongue really well. No. Everyone, including her family, calls me Bethany. <laughs> <laughs> or just Annie works too. Hey. Um, but, oh. I, you know, every, but it's spelled like just, it's spelled slightly differently but not enough that you would think that it's pronounced differently, yeah. I think. Yeah. And then my last name. <laughs> my last name is Finger, you guys. Just Finger, like a finger on your hand. And we get people all the time that are like, Finger, Finger. And it's like, no, it's Finger. Why would it be Finger? Right? Like, they try to make it oh fancy. <laughs> Dr. Erlon says, you should have come to me right away. I've been planning for your return for years. Mm. Oh, yeah. what? What does that mean? That's so <laughs> rude. You don't get to plan her right? life for her. She's like, um, excuse me. <laughs> There's like a feminist rant just waiting to happen about a, a male in a position of authority trying to oh, control yes. a princess and tell them how to run their well, country. Because then she even says to him, that's precisely why I didn't. Because <laughs> I don't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. She says, uh, when you came to my jail cell and dropped this whole princess thing on me, how was I supposed to react? 
all of a sudden, I went from being nobody to being long-lost royalty, and you expected me to jump up and accept this destiny that you'd worked out in your head. But did you ever consider that maybe that's not the destiny I Mm -hmm. want? I wasn't raised to be a princess or a leader. I just needed some time to figure out who I was. Am. Where I came from. I thought maybe those answers were in France. Poor Cinder. I know. She says she might not want her destiny. Right. She starts thinking about the lab and her first home Mm -hmm. in France, the Benoit farm. And she's reluctant, but she is ready now. Or she's ready to be ready is probably more accurate. Right. That's what, that's what I would think too. Um, Cause she's still trying to figure out who she is and what she needs to do. I think she's just, even if she's still trying to figure out who she is and trying to accept all of that and being Celine, I think she's just at the point where she knows that something has to change. And so if she needs to step up and be the one to do it, then she's willing to do that. Yeah, absolutely. To her credit, she did somewhat have a plan. <laughs> you know, she came up with something. She's going to stop the wedding. And I love Dr. Airblot. <laughs> She's like, we're going to stop the wedding. And he was like, <laughs> stop the wedding. That's her whole plan. You can practically hear the eye roll in his voice. Oh, yes. <laughs> She's going to tell every. <laughs> She's going to tell everyone she's Celine. She's going to assi- insist that there's no marriage and warn everyone of Lavana's plan to conquer Earth, and uh, they would have to re- accept her. Yep. And he goes, "You pinches <laughs> her. <laughs> you pinches her." <laughs> Because he thought that plan was so stupid that he actually thought he was oh my hallucinating. Gosh. Can I just tell you? So <laughs> the the rest of this page, like <laughs> this whole interaction between the two of them, like I just could not stop laughing. It's just hilarious with like, you know, she's. Oh, no. I mean, she tells him that and he's like. You're going to stop the wedding. That's it. And then he pinches her. And they have this whole, like, ridiculous back and forth, like, <laughs> calling each other names, being sarcastic. I mean, she's, she calls him, oh, wrinkled one. <laughs> I love that so much. It's great. It's perfect. Oh, my God. I love it. So her response is, come on, the news would go viral. Uh-huh. I love this. <sighs> and he goes, he goes. Yeah, because everyone would be like, look at this crazy cyborg who thinks she's a princess. <laughs> and Cinder goes, well, they can test my, br- my blood like you did. No doubt Her Majesty would stand by patiently while you did so. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, of course she would. Right? She'll just wait there tapping her feet and drinking her wine. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Queen Levada has her talent so deep into the Commonwealth that you would be dead before you finish the word princess. Your Emperor Kai would do anything to appease her right now, to ensure that war doesn't break out again, and to get his hands on that Lermosus antidote. He wouldn't risk angering her just to validate the claim of a 16-year-old girl who is already a wanted criminal. (laughs) (laughs) He might. So stubborn, girl, but he does make her sound really naive. Yes, and this whole thing, like... I'm just picturing this and it's it's like he's talking to like a five-year-old in this moment, you know? (laughs) (laughs) 
Because, like, because he, to a certain extent, like, I mean, he's 100% right. Like, she's, her plan is to barge into the wedding and be like, I'm the princess. Mm-hmm. Lavada is not going to, like, sit down with the, with the new copy of Us magazine and chill while they get a, a blood test going and, and confirm <laughs> that she's the princess. And Kai wouldn't either, to be honest with you. No, not at all. And neither one of them know that Kai, or, or I should say, Dr. Erlon doesn't know that Kai is searching for Celine and that he's desperate. Mm-hmm. But Torrin would not allow it. So even if you could get Kai, <laughs> Torrin is not just going to be like, yeah, test her. See if she's the princess. Who gives a Right? Point? No, not going to happen. <laughs> Dr. Erlon definitely has a va- valid point. <laughs> Absolutely. And then she goes, well, what do you suggest? <laughs> do you want to read this part? Sure. Uh, fine, Cinder said. What do you suggest? You clearly know all about this political revolution stuff. So please enlighten me, oh, wrinkled one. <laughs> I just love me a wrinkled too. one. And he was like, well, you could learn some manners first. And again, she's so quick. Yeah, right. I'm sure that poor etiquette is the number one reason for most failed revolutions. <laughs> Again, like he's talking yep. to a child. Are you quite finished? <laughs> nope. Not hardly. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, yeah, I'm finished. <laughs> Good, because we have a lot to discuss, beginning with how we are going to get you to Luna. Ah, uh, Luna? <laughs> yes. <laughs> The rock in the sky you are destined to rule. I trust you're familiar with it. <laughs> yes. The rock in the sky you are destined oh to gosh. rule. I like that he calls it a rock in the sky. Me too. He's like, it's not a planet. It's a rock in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, this whole like banter back and forth between them is just the best. It's, they're just so funny. And it's, it is. Oh my gosh. Oh. <laughs> and I love that she's like, completely baffled she's like i have to go to the country i want to lead and take over i can't do that from a different planet what is going on why on earth would i need to do that (laughs) well because you have to convince the people of luna not earth lunars don't give a about earth that's right (laughs) they don't care what earthens think they don't care who earthens choose to rule they don't care who earthens want to be the princess they care about who they want to be the princess Yep. And they're probably really happy about Lavana becoming Empress because now they get access to all of Earth's resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows? You can't ever really tell. <laughs> yeah. So, how do they get to Luna? No idea. <laughs> well, it looks like his plan doesn't go much further than hers. At least she had a plan. He was like, we have to go to Luna. And as soon as she's like, how? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> so brilliant all right oh wrinkled one you weren't exactly off to a great start yourself (laughs) it'll take careful strategizing and they can't use her ship but in the meantime don't venture out of town and stay to the ship it isn't entirely safe here everyone already saw her she can't hide but that's not why it's not safe Mm -mm. lunars including cinder are no longer immune to Letimosis, and it's rampant in this town. Dun, dun, dun. And just like that, all her old fears return. Yeah. Can you imagine having, like, a month of peace 
a month of peace where you think you're immune and then all of a sudden it's right back to the beginning. That would suck. Like it, it would be really, really sucky. It would be really bad. It would be like it would be like somebody telling you that you're immune to the coronavirus. And then a month later you find out, oh, you're actually not. By the way, you can get it just as yeah. much as anyone else. So you're like, I'm gonna go to Texas Roadhouse and live it up. And then they're like, But you're not immune anymore. And it's like Yeah. But I just went to Texas Roadhouse. <laughs> <laughs> People are burning their mask in celebration and then it's like, hey, you're not immune. You need that mouth. And it's like, <laughs> dang it. Okay. Uh, plan B. Yep. So the guard shows up. He's in clothes, in earthen military uniform that he found from on the Rampian. Uh, he's eating garlic bread. <laughs> and he says, how's your friend? I love that he's just standing in the doorway eating food. I know. <laughs> also, food that we find out was meant for her. Yes. What a dick. <gasps> oh, He's got a weird way of treating the princess, right? Yeah, he really does. Especially for a lunar guard. Right? He's trained on how to properly act around royalty. (laughs) Yeah, he should definitely be more respectful around her than he is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) She goes over and she gives herself an introduction. And she says, I'm Cinder. Uh, I know who you are. (laughs) Yeah, but... I figured a formal introduction would be nice now that we're on the same side. Is that what you've decided? Mm. Well, kind of seemed like you decided that when you said you serve your princess. So she's like, what? Right. But before she can ask, he goes, Jacinth Clay, honored. (laughs) Are you? (laughs) He should be. And I and for anyone listening who has for some reason never listened to any other episode, I know it's Jason. I told Marissa myself it is Justin in my head, and I cannot change it. She spelled it in an unusual way. This is what she is. Well, love you, Marissa. Oh man, <laughs> you're still the queen, but you threw me for a loop with that one. Mm. And after eight years, I can't change it. Okay. <laughs> I do remember hearing her say that it's pronounced Jason, and I was like. Oh, I kind of like I kind of took me back for a minute there too. I was like, "All right, spelled kind of funky, but whatever, <laughs> that's fine." <laughs> yeah, she said she wanted it to be spelled in a different way because it was from the moon. So she was like, "He probably wouldn't spell it the way they do on Earth." And I was like, "Well, I thought that also meant that it was an unusual name, and so it wouldn't be Jason; it would be Jason or something different." You know? Yeah, I don't know. it's fine. So. <laughs> Ico, eco, tomato, tomato. Whatever. We know who we're talking about. And that's what matters. That's right. <laughs> um, the doctor does not care about meeting him. Nope. At all. Mm. <laughs> and it turns out that the food that he has was actually brought for Cinder, but he told them she couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's a little presumptuous. It is. Definitely. But I like I like what yeah. she says to him too, like before that. It's, she said, "So what? You can shoot a gun, fly a spaceship, and bake. Like you do all these things? <laughs> Just a man of many talents." Yes, he is. Yeah, and then yeah. he tells her, "And see, this is where Thorn. This, if it were Thorn, he'd be like, yes, and I knit a, a mean Afghan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he would. Or you should see me. You should hear." violin like he would toss something else funny in there right he totally would 
Yeah. And the doctor says this probably won't be the, the first gift she gets because they know of her. They know that she is challenging Lavana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, so go ahead. Before they can talk about it too much, the doctor doesn't like Era Jacinth, doesn't trust him, and they basically have to let him leave. Yeah. So he leaves, and she's like, I know he seems a little abrasive, but he knows who I am, and he saved my life, and Wolf's. We should treat him as an ally. Ooh, what does Dr. Erlon say? <laughs> you may choose to reveal all your secrets, Miss Lynn, but it does not mean I must reveal mine, or those of the people in this town. Mm. Because most of the, I shouldn't say that, not most, 15% of the people in this town are lunar. What? Considering at the beginning of the first book, we thought there were no lunars on Earth at all. Mm -hmm. To find out a town's population is 15% is crazy. That is crazy. Because that's a lot. Like, where? That's a lot. Where did they come from? Why are they there? I mean, obviously, where did they come from? Ha! <laughs> we know where they came from. <laughs> but but why are they there? Well, like, how? Yeah. It's, it's more like how. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Lunars have been immigrating here since Queen Channery, maybe even before that. And all the Earthens know they live in harmony somewhat. Right, which is so weird. Because we're led to believe that lunars and earthens hate each other. Right. But maybe they don't. Lunars nerfed earthens that had the plague and buried their dead. Yeah, so they they helped each other in this town, which is why then they're okay with living with each other. And nobody turns anybody in. They just work together to survive. Right. I mean, in the first place, they're in a like oasis down in the middle of the desert. That's hard enough as it is, you know? So, like, it's it's hard enough survival. So if somebody's going to be there and they're going to help you when people are sick and dying from this horrible thing, I mean, if it were me, I'd take them in, treat them, and be like, fine, I don't care if you live here. You just help me survive. Like, if there's nobody around for hundreds of miles, you know, you got to take what you can get. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what they're doing in this in this town in this situation. They're just helping each other survive. They're doing what they can. And Cinder has a, mo- a moment where she re- kind of realizes that the gift is more than a gift. It's a mm-hmm. gift from lunars. It's a gift from her own people. Yep. She says, well, do they know about me? They don't, actually. They just know that she stood up to Luana and that she continues to to defy her at all odds. And he may have told them that she would assassinate her. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) I just love how he... I don't know. He just drops that bomb on her. Um, I may have led them to believe that one of these days you intend to assassinate her. Like, it's no big deal. Yeah. (laughs) But I like his response. Mm -hmm. These people will follow you anywhere. Yep. Because of murder. (laughs) That seems kind of shady. But 
That is where we leave this chapter. Yeah. If Cinder commits murder, she will have people following her. She will become <laughs> the leader that they need or something. I don't know. Um, oh, man. <laughs> right? Yeah. Let's talk about um, song titles. What was your chapter title for 21? Okay. I really, really struggled with this one for a long time because there's lots of different things that happened. I wasn't sure which way to go with it. But in the end, I ended up with um, with a little help from my friends, which is a song by the Beatles. And they're like, you know, I get by with a little help from my friends. And really, in this chapter, there's a lot of that going on because Cinder needs help from Dr. Erland. Wolf needs help from Dr. Erland and Cinder, you know. Um, they're stuck with Jacin now. See what I did there? I said Jacin. <laughs> 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 so, you know, they've got him. Um, and then the people who live there now, you know, are excited that she's there and wants to get them um, or defeat Lavana. So that's kind of what I went with. We get by with a little help from my friends. <laughs> And for that same reason, I chose uh, two songs. But for that reason, I also chose It's Nice to Have a Friend by Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. um, because when you're in a position where you feel alone and like the whole world is banging up on you, it is nice to have a friend. And then I also chose Something to Believe in by Parachute, which is based solely on that last line. <laughs> him saying that these people would follow her anywhere. Yeah. Because they've given her something to believe in or because she... And what she represents have given these people something to believe in. They yeah. will follow her everywhere. And I think that that speaks volumes both about this, the people in this town and about how desperate they are to escape from being under Lavana's thumb. Yeah. Even as Earthens, basically they're Earthens now, like they live on Earth. But even, even, after, even with that in mind, they still want to overcome that. Right. They still feel that oppression. They remember what it was like living there with her and how she's still doing that to the people mm -hmm. who do live there still. Absolutely. So let's talk about your quote for this chapter. Okay. So mine was just um, one of my, like one of my favorite things that Marissa does is just her, just how she describes things and how descriptive she is. And so the quote that I chose is, he sighed long and slow. The defeat in his expression shot a dart of worry down her spine. I just love that description. It just makes me feel it emotionally as well as get like a good visual of both Cinder and Dr. Erland in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And then for myself, I chose his <laughs> last line, these people will follow you anywhere. I just feel like that speaks volumes this whole time. Cinder has been very unsure of herself, very unsure of whether or not she wants to be a princess, whether or not she can get the people of Luna to accept her as the princess and let her be queen, even if she is the heir. Mm -hmm. And these people who are Lunars don't even know that she's the princess and they're willing to follow her just because she's brave enough to defy Lavana. Imagine their level of devotion when they find out she's the true queen. Right? It's going to be even more. It's it's fantastic to think about. They're already ready to follow her. And they'll be even more pleased when they find out who she really is. Yeah. I'm really excited for that day when it, if and when it comes, I should say. Yeah. Um, so that is <laughs> the end of episode 74. Mm -hmm. uh, this week, 
the word the bonus word hair came up five times and captain was once there were five easter eggs and next week we'll cover chapter 22 leah do you want to tell everybody where they can find ya book chat podcast Sure. Um, so you can find me um, on Instagram and Facebook. I am mostly active on Instagram. So just put in YA Book Chat and you'll find me. And then uh, my podcast is available anywhere you can get your podcast, including now, this is super exciting, Amazon. Um, Amazon Music now has podcasts as well. So my podcast is also on Amazon Music, which is really fun. Yeah, I completely <laughs> forgot that... Uh... I got a I got a message about that like a month ago, and I remember seeing your post and being like, "Oh, I didn't realize <laughs> that not everybody got that notification." But it's it's different because I use Podbean as my hosting platform, and you use um, Buzzsprout, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. So, so that's why it's different. Um, but please rate, review, and subscribe, and of course, rate, review, and subscribe YA Book Chat podcast as well. Check out the Patreon for a chance to be a guest on an episode with me and more awesome perks. Like I just ordered a bunch of stickers from Sticker Mule. They will be here. They're supposed to be here later this week. So hopefully they get here soon. I'm really excited about all of them. Nice. <laughs> yes. Leah, thank you so much for coming. It's always fun to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I always have such a fun time when I get to be here with you or when you're on my podcast. It's always fun. Yes, I like internet friendships. Me too. <laughs> so everyone, please stay safe, stay healthy, and until next time, don't get glamored. <laughs> Bye. The passages read for you today are from Crest by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Leah Stoller from YA Book Chat Podcast. The intro-outro music was composed by Emma Pavo. And the logo art was created by Angela Wong. Thank you for listening. You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com.